Welcome to a special episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again after a several week break from the podcast and fresh off a successful Retail Now 2021 in Nashville. Thanks to everybody who joined us for that event and thanks to everybody who's joining us for today's podcast. As always, our goal is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. And for this episode, we'll accomplish that through a highly popular format we call Battle of the Channel Stars. Our discussion today will be divided into four segments with separate but related topics. Our two guests will share their perspective on each topic, and then I'll join in on the discussion. Now, here's where it gets fun. At the end of each segment, I will award one point to who I believe made the best case, stated their points most clearly, shared the most compelling anecdotes, things like that. And if you're saying like, well, those rules seem like it gives you a lot of latitude, that's right, this is my casino, this is my rules, okay? So we're gonna keep track of the points using the scoreboard that's behind me. For those of you watching on the RSP YouTube channel, you can see that this is the best scoreboard that money can buy, right? State of the art, I think it has AI, IoT, um, it, it's solar powered. It's unbelievable uh, how great this scoreboard is. We're going to keep track there and also from an audio standpoint, those who are just listening. And at the end of the episode, whoever earns more points is going to be declared that episode's gold medalist, while the other yeah. participant is a silver medalist. So you might say we're going to have a winner and a loser, but to me, there are no losers in the RSPA. We're going to have a gold medal and a silver medal recipient. Now, if after four segments, the score is tied, we'll go into overtime with a bonus question to determine who gets gold and who gets silver. So that's how we play Battle of the Channel Stars. We'll have a meaningful conversation in a fun framework. All right, let's meet our two combatants today. First, Kelly Stewart is a partner for resellerpos.com, where a group she's worked for for two years. Her chief task is opening the Chicago area office. Prior to that, for 14 years, she was the operations manager for VAR Advanced Data Systems, which also serve merchants in the greater Chicago area. Kelly's been very active in the RSPA as a moderator, an education presenter, a member of the W2W Women in Retail community, and currently she's a member of the RSPA Board of Directors. Hey, Kelly, great to have you here today. Hi, glad to be here. Yeah, nice to see you again. It was great to see you in National. Nice to see you again here as well. Our second contestant is Jim Stewart. Formerly, he's the, let's talk about what he's done in the past. Formerly, he was the Northeast Region Manager for Software Developer NCC. That's what he did for the past three years. And then before that, he was the president and wore many hats for also advanced data systems. He also is a former member of the RSPA Board of Directors. And currently, just very recently, just a couple of weeks before we're recording this, he was named the Director of Operations also for POS.com. Jim, great to see you again. Great to see you. I am happy to be here. Great. And so one more note before we move forward and answer the question. So this is the second time in Trusted Advisor history that our two guests have shared the same last name. So back in episode nine, Stellar Personal Customer Service, we had Value Systems' Kevin McGrath and WorldPay's Mick McGrath. They were not related whatsoever. So Kelly, can you share with our <laughs> listeners, are you and Jim related? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, we're married. We've been married all this time, Jim, through all the POS time that we've been together. <laughs> so how many years would that be? Or am I putting you on the spot? That's not for a point if you're going to get this answer right Jim to ask, answer that question. I think that he probably uh, knows it right off the top of his head, right, Jim? Actually, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can tell you about when we were married, kind of. <laughs> you got to purge something, and that's the stuff I purge. <laughs> Good. Well, th this is what makes a marriage work. Both people not being quite <laughs> sure on exactly how long uh, they've been together. So uh, really looking forward to this. I think this is a super interesting dynamic uh, that we're going to have here. It's kind of, I guess, a combo of Battle of the Channel Stars and the Love Connection uh, as well. So. <laughs> I believe Chuck Wooler Which, is the host. Yeah, there was. I, I think there's other games too where they ask questions to see how much you know each each other, and that Jim can't even produce how many years we've been married. I think we're just gonna move on to the next segment, Jim. That's probably it's probably I, better. I do know middle name. <laughs> Very good. You know, it's probably better that we talk more about the industry than we do about this. this isn't going to be a marriage counseling uh, situation. So maybe it'll lead to one. We'll we'll find out. So all right. So before we begin the battle, Kelly, if you can start and give us a, a thirty-second overview of where does POS.com fit inside the channel? Because I know it started off originally just as an online, and now it's morphed into something different. How would you describe POS.com from an elevator pitch standpoint? What do you guys do? So the uh, New York office, who obviously has had more longevity than we we have, uh, have been around for well over a decade. And the team there, while they deploy uh, point of sale installations, have heavily been involved in a project oriented work. So bigger projects, bigger clients. Um, we here in the Chicago office uh, do a little more of a turn and burn type of operation where we're working with smaller clients, um, you know, and and doing far more installations so uh we feel like we're the the perfect package between the two so the the real uh win is that we can use the team members in both offices to try and achieve those those goals and it's been working very well wonderful great thank you for that and of course you can find the company at pos.com is, POS is even, yes. <laughs> right right <laughs> be problematic if it was another url um, <laughs> All right, so today's focus for Battle of Channel Stars is growing your VAR business. And so the questions are based on a document that's titled Guiding Principles for Growing the Value of a Point-of-Sale Reseller in ISV. It's a weighty document. It's 14 pages. There are tons of principles and helpful spe uh, specifics for a solution provider of any kind. So if you want a copy of it, you can email me at jroddy, that's J-R-O-D-D-Y, at gorspa.org if you want to copy that. Now, if you're a member, I'll send you the document. If you're not an RSP member, I will send you a membership application. Once you fill that out and pay your invoice, I will then send you the document. But again, it's super, super helpful. It's been built over many, many years with the input of smart resellers uh, like Kelly and Jim. All right, well, let's play Battle of the Channel Stars. So this is for the first point uh, of the game. And Kelly, I'm hoping you can answer this first. So the first principle uh, from that document is to focus your business on superior client value. And the first action underneath that point is it says, know our clients' goals and problems well enough to build a business model that provides indispensable products and services to them. So Kelly, can you go first? How have you embraced that principle? How have you seen other VARs successfully embrace that principle? Well, Jim, I think that for us, it's about establishing relationships. And, and certainly, you know, having a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a customer, be it by the salesperson or the entire team, becomes more difficult to achieve as you scale and get bigger and you have more customers. But we really strive um, to continue 
to really understand our customers' challenges and goals, which is what you've identified. So, you know, one of the things in, in this past year, I think that many resellers have had to do is help their, their clients navigate through changing of their business. So we may have, you know, engaged with a customer and maybe we sold them uh, or a different reseller has sold them a system that works perfectly for for where where they are or where they were. Um, that customer may have changed. That customer may close their dining room and and many restaurants and have decided that they're not reopening. Um, they find they found that the crisis has driven them to a different model to manage their business. So from a reseller perspective, you know the solutions that we delivered to them may have worked with their previous model and may not be ideal for their new model. And, and it's not necessarily about selling them new solutions. It may be just about understanding operationally what they need to do to use their tool that they currently have in place in, in a better way. So, so foundationally, we, we need to have enough contact points with those clients at a frequency where we, where we, and I'm talking about just the VAR channel, can understand what our customers need and what their pain points are. And those pain points change. We can anticipate things. We're, you know, we're the experts, so we kind of know what's going on. But at the same time, we, we have to have a mechanism in place where those clients, especially once they've established that relationship with us, have the ability to communicate with us as their needs change. And that might mean, you know, um, I, I know that there are some resellers that have you know, white papers that they set out on, on a regular basis to their customers, or they or they have a Salesforce type tool where they're, con, you know, have continuity and on scheduled points are connecting with those customers. So, you know, I think that it's, we talk about it, but the, the real challenge is how do you execute it? How do you really keep in touch with those customers? How do you feel confident that you're in, not just in the front of their mind when they need something new, but how do we make sure that they call us whenever they have questions? And you have to create an ecosystem and you have to have the tools in place where if someone calls with a question that's outside of the norm, that you're receptive to it and that you know we take it in and we digest it and, and make sure that we are their trusted advisor. Great, thank you for that. Uh, Jim, what's your take on what we were talking about? Know your, client, know your client's goals and problems well enough and build a business model that provides indispensable products and services to them. Uh, how, what would you be your take? What would you share with our listeners? So my perspective is uh, the same but different because I spent the last three years talking to resellers every day, every day, every day. And when I first kind of went into that role, the, the, it was always the no news is good news mentality with a lot of resellers. And that I've seen that drastically shift over the last three years. A lot of the resellers and dealers have um, embraced becoming technology consultants for their, for their customers and prospective customers. They're really striving to stay relevant um, with, their, with their customers. Um, some of them have started doing health checkups with customers to stay in front of them, you know, periodically throughout the year. And uh, that's definitely helped them to stay in front of the customers. Um, one thing that I've, that I've seen evolve back, it kind of went away and now it's back in, in um, the forefront is 
on-site service and, and personalized support. Uh, as we migrate into a, a less personal um, way of doing business, I found that my dealers are, are uh, retaining customers just based on that, based on, again, being in front of the customer, listening to the customer's needs, learning what their needs are a lot. Uh, it goes dovetails with what Kelly said, um, but I'm seeing more of that with dealers. Again, to go back to where I started, to where, where we were at when I left my position, it is flipped, especially in this last year. So it's just changed so drastically. Got it. Thank you. It seems like while well, both of you gave you know uh, different answers, this, the through line through both of them was really focusing on the knowing the client's goals and their problems well enough, right? There's something that you both said in terms of you know being on site, uh, listening to them, and, and getting in front of them. One of my favorite sayings is, "There's no substitute for a competent person getting closer to a situation, right?" And if you do that first, naturally, uh, something's going to flow out of that. But if you're not listening, if you're not proactively outreaching, you're going to be guessing and, and to guess is to gamble. Um, yes. Anybody want to add any other data points to that before we uh, award a point and move on? I'm really curious to see who's going to get the point, Jim. <laughs> well, good. And you should be curious, Kelly, because I'm going to give you, while you both had great answers, Kelly, I'm going to give you the first point uh, on this one. And so the reason that I have looking at my notes, you really broke it down in terms of you have to understand them, not just personally, like you talked about relationships, but then really understanding their pain points and then listen and then adapt. You just can't be a, a reseller who says, this is what I do. I remember at a, a retail now several years ago, a reseller, we were talking about, and you guys are both like this because we've talked about recurring revenue and selling credit card processing. And somebody's like, I'm just a point of sale cash register dealer. I'm not changing my ways. And I just thought, ooh, I don't know if you're going to be walking around here uh, many years longer. So you guys clearly have the right approach in terms of you've got to make, and you made that point, listen and adapt and uh, and move into that. So, all right, Kelly is on the board uh, with a one nothing lead after the first quarter. Uh, Jim, this is your chance to come back. And so this is for the second point. So the second action under the principle that says to focus on your business on superior client value, it says, aggressively invest in those things that allow us to deliver higher value to our client than our competitors do. And so some of those investments by resellers include software development, right? Becoming their own software developer and tweaking maybe their core software, hiring and training a highly skilled and highly responsive support staff, offering managed services, custom configurations, also offering packages on a recurring revenue model. So Jim, can you talk about how have you seen resellers quote, aggressively invest in delivering greater value? What's jumped out to you? What would you recommend to our audience? Pretty much everything you said, uh, a lot of resellers have become ISVs, uh, mainly to control their own destiny and control their customer's experience. I've seen that that's become much more prevalent recently. Um, a lot of resellers that I've worked with, again, drawing on my experience over the last three years, have expanded into managed services. They were, some were already in it, but over the last year, because of what we've been going through, they've really gone back into that model. And it's helped them to diversify their product offering and really help lift their business. Um, a lot of, we have some 
I had some dealers that were POS managed service providers that expanded into offices, law offices, doctor's offices, things like that to, again, expand their product offering. And it kind of went back. Now they took what they drew and learned in those experiences and brought it back to the point of sale world. And it's really helped them to talk, you know, like we talked about a little earlier with their um, the, becoming better consultants and better listeners for their, for their customers and their prospects. Um, we talk about reoccurring revenue. I've seen that evolve all over the place. Again, over the last year, year and a half, that's really changed quite a bit um, from offering mobility to online ordering. The things that dealers or resellers, go back to what you said, they just wanted to fix what they knew. And they jumped into these different verticals or you know things that they've not done before. Then they found that they can be successful with that. The same goes for uh, offering SaaS programs for their customers with for POS and such. Um, that helps them to become more um, competitive and meet the customer's demands now that are just shifting so much. I, thank you for that. Can you go into a little bit more detail in terms of the managed services? What do you, have you seen point-of-sale resellers offering from a managed service standpoint? What are some of the specifics under that? Because managed services can cover a lot of different things. Uh, you know, it, it varies from reseller to reseller how, what their perception of managed services are. You know, whether they're supporting, you know, offering a managed service program for software only or for hardware only or all-encompassing with SLAs and things like that. It's all things that the, the resellers are just learning. They're in their infancy with some of these things. And uh, But the guys that have been doing it a long time, they, you know, from a managed services standpoint, they go in. The entire system is is um, taken care of for the customer. So the customer, the mentality is that customer wants to make hamburgers. They want to make hot dogs. They don't want to deal with their POS system or any technology associated with it. These managed services companies are going in and just handling everything and all the heavy lifting for the customers and being there for them. Got it. Great. Yeah, really being that one trusted advisor, the one I've always said one throat to choke and somebody said no one back to path, you know, so yeah. I guess. I could go either way. Yeah. yeah, should should be more of an optimist. Kelly, uh, what have you done? What have you seen from resellers, again, aggressively investing to deliver greater value? So from my perspective, you know, I think that resellers, you know, us and, and many others are kind of opening our hearts and our minds to what what is it that our clients need. And the, the best example that I can that I can use is, you know, again, over this last year, those restaurateurs or retail stores, their needs have changed. They've had to embrace coming up with solutions for curbside delivery, um, both in a retail environment and hospitality environment, you know, online ordering, um, you know, those, those types of things may not have been in the toolbox, but, if you were to look away from the opportunity, you then are handing that opportunity to your competitor. So when it comes to, you know, making myself indispensable, I do have to aggressively invest in, um, you know, development of solutions that are meeting our clients' needs. Because like you said, if they have to go to somebody else, they've got a couple hands to shake or a couple backs to pat. So, so that said, 
you know, we're, we're trying to remain nimble. It becomes more difficult, you know, a larger, the larger an organization is, the more difficult it is to either course correct or embrace a new niche. So there are a lot of um, resellers that are, are, like Jim had mentioned, embracing the, the ISV or, you know, creating the relationship where that customer comes directly to you for credit card processing, for example. And a lot of those resellers, they're, they're doing it because they do expect change in the future. And so by controlling their destiny, again, to reference something Jim mentioned, they have the ability to know that the solutions that they choose, if they control them, they can develop them and they can layer in new value as time goes on, as opposed to embracing a relationship, because we've talked a lot about that in the, in the channel. Um, you know, that, that relationships are, are how we put together the perfect package. Well, now fewer and fewer relationships are necessary as you take more of those things in-house and you control them. Um, it makes it easier to ensure that your offering is going to be relevant five years from now, as opposed to partnering with a company that, for example, closes. I think that that's the, the bottom line. So both wonderful answers, but I'm going to give the point to Jim uh, because uh, and he knows this from uh, us working together back when I was at Business Solutions and and all that. Man, you say managed services, you say recurring revenue, like, whoo, I'm like, that's got me all fired up talking about that uh, in the POS space. But the thing that you both mentioned, <laughs> let's expand upon that, about controlling your own destiny. If you're a reseller and you're just kind of passing along what your hardware provider or software provider or all-in-one is doing and you're not providing anything special beyond that, you're more of a commodity play, you're a commodity. And so the, the analogy that I use about controlling your own destiny, if you're locked into only one thing that you sell or one general thing that you sell, you're like on their railroad track. And wherever they lay down the track, that's where you're going. And if that thing's going in a great place, good. But if it's heading towards a wall, you have no choice. But if you're controlling your own destiny and offering specific bundles and you're doing things that are nichier, whether it's from an ISV standpoint or putting together different products or serving a specific niche vertical, it, instead of being on that train track, you're on the highway. And then it's up to you. Are you driving a jalopy or are you really building up a nice vehicle that you can go and choose anywhere that you want and how fast you go and what exits uh, that you take? So um, I, if anybody wants to expand, I guess, a little bit more on control your own destiny and how important that is and how you guys see that from from a reseller standpoint i'll chime in on that i can't say that's i think that's the most important thing right now the industry is changing so rapidly um, with acquisition and just change in business model and everything that we have going on you want to control as much as you can control in your ecosystem in your business and uh, again going back to my experience the last few years haven't been like that with uh with again going back to acquisition the main thing being acquisition so um i can't say enough i can't say how uh, enough how important that is to to pick the right partners and uh and again if you can control that uh if you can control the software that you sell the hardware you sell the um, SaaS programs that you offer and things like that that just benefits you more in the long run for sure Kelly, last yeah, word before we take a halftime break. Yeah, I would I would agree 100%. And, and I would add, it's hard if you're a reseller to 
constantly be taking in change that's happening outside of your ecosystem to figure out what that means to your business. So fewer outside changes that you have to navigate through make a more seamless day-to-day -day business. And, and so that, that's one of the main, you know, main reasons why we want to do, you know, we want to scale. So we want to do the same things every, every day. Um, so long as we have stuff in house, we, we control that. Got it. Very good. And I guess the last word that I'll say on this before uh, Jim and Kelly break to make their halftime adjustments, um, the best invest, right? There is a lot of pride to be taken that you show up for work and you're serving customers and working on uh, or working in the business every day. You've got to invest time working on the business and seeing what are some other products, what are some other different ways of doing things? What can I do to be special and really stand out? So again, the best invest is not just uh, how hard you work. So, all right, well, let's pause here and have time to let our listeners and viewers know an RSP membership has never been more valuable or affordable. Annual memberships for VAR start at just $250 a year for dozens of high value services, including access to a legal advisor, a security advisor and a VAR and ISE business advisor, exclusive e-learning programs to the RSPA Academy Accelerate program, discounts on business services, and a college scholarship program for the families of RSPA members. Vendors and software developers benefit from an RSPA membership as well through introduction of VAR and ISV members and by showcasing their solutions through the exclusive RSPA Solutions Center. Accelerate your success by joining the RSPA today. And just so you know, it's $250 per organization. So it's not like Jim and Kelly each have to pay $250. They just are able to, to split it. So uh, another advantage of being uh, married to an RSP member. Um, wait, I don't know if I should be promoting that. That really comes off kind of weird, like we're a matchmaking service. We're matchmaking for business, not for personal. Um, just to clarify, don't want to get the wrong phone call. Um, Jim Stewart was cute. Is there a way? Can I get his phone number? <laughs> that would be a little Is awkward. Wouldn't it? Unless it was Kelly calling, uh, but she should probably have the number already. So, all right. Also, we want to thank uh, our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift for Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. That's membership at gorspa.org. Yeah, so Varnizy business advisor, legal counselor, security counselor, not a marriage counselor, though I'm working on doing that today. So, all right, so here we are at halftime. We're tied at one. It's anybody's ball game. So let's move on to topic number three and the battle for point number three. So growth for VARs is typically a combination of keeping your merchants as long-term clients while upselling them on additional services, which we already discussed already about how you have to provide stellar service. But it's that service plus uh, new sales to, uh, to new merchants. So the principles document says that growth formulas include one or more of the following sales-focused actions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to list these actions. There are four of them. And then Kelly's going to comment on one of them. And then Jim's going to share his thoughts on that action. And so if you guys can do like vehement disagreement, that'll increase the entertainment value. But if you both agree with each other, that, that can be fine as well. So, all right. So then these are, again, the four actions that you want to take from a sales standpoint to increase sales. So Kelly wants you to expand on one of these four. Number one is ramp up an outbound sales force. Two is adding new products or services. Three is entering new markets. Four is outspending your competition 
on marketing. So which do you want to talk about, Kelly? Outbound sales force, products and services, new markets, outspending competition on marketing. I'll just start with number one, Jim. We'll just stop, start at the top of the list. Right. So ramping up an outbound sales force. Um, I think that uh, the salespeople of today, you know, are, are a little different. First of all, they're selling things in a different way. Um, traditional sales versus selling, you know, a subscription or a reoccurring model. Um, and there's a lot to know. There's a lot for our salespeople to absorb, not just from a technology standpoint, but the, you know, based on the niche markets we serve, you know, knowing what what tools they should deploy at at those customer sites. So it's it's it takes a lot of effort to get your sales force to the place where they can be effective. So so that said, um, you know, we we've put a lot of effort into it. It's 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 not easy to find the right people for the right roles. So we're putting a lot of energy into that. I think that a lot of resellers are are trying to get um, salespeople in place that are that are capable of being trained and deploying the um, you know the sales the sales that we're trying to achieve. So you know we we've shifted from a traditional model to more of a re recurring model, and and that's taken a lot of effort. Can you expand upon the importance of finding the right people? Um, I was actually just reading a John Taffer quote, and he was the keynote speaker at Retail Now, and he said basically something like, give me a good person who doesn't know anything about managing a bar, but if they're a good person, I'll turn them into a good bar manager. You give me somebody who's a lousy bar manager, if you give them 30 years, they're still going to be a lousy bar manager, right, if they're not able to do that. And I know, Kelly, you've taken hiring seriously and interviewing seriously. You're not just, hey, whoever can fog a mirror, like, come on, let's give you a shot. <laughs> can you talk about why you take it seriously? And then I guess what kind of things you've done in order to ramp up that outbound sales force with the highest quality people who are the right fit? Well, you're right. It's well, Jim, I've used some of your tools, some of the tools that you've provided for, you know, because you're awesome, right? To uh, to find the right people. Um, and the the example that John used is pertinent to some degree. Although I will say, you know, I brought folks in and thought, hey, so long as they have the right attitude, they're going to do great. But there are some roles that just require some level of knowledge that, you know, to qualify them for for the position. Um, Having a thorough um, vetting process and having a thorough interview and uh, not just thorough interview, but asking the right questions. And I know that we've talked about this before, probing questions to get as many answers as we can gives us the opportunity to evaluate if the, if the talent is there and if the personality fit into the culture that we're, that we're trying to establish. You know, every I think that every reseller, as they're migrating to different business models, potentially, you know, embracing a reoccurring model, also has to drive the culture of the business. You know, your people have to know what you're trying to accomplish, and they have to embrace it, and they have to be capable of driving that initiative forward. So that the everyone having a similar um, way of engaging in the business that where people complement each other makes it a lot easier to get to your goals. 
Got it. Thank you for that. Jim, your turn. Uh, what would be your take on ramping up an outbound sales force? What uh, guidance, what advice, what stories would you share with our audience? So before we get into it, Kelly did do all the hiring because I thought everybody was fantastic when they walked through the door. And <laughs> <laughs> you did. We had some challenging conversations. Let's just put it that way. Uh, there is a She's a much better hire than I am. But there is an element of you can't love people as much. You can't just hook, line, and sinker like right away. Oh, great, wonderful. You have to be way more skeptical in order to make the right hiring decisions because not everybody is wonderful and beautiful and sunshine and rainbow and lollipops. Well, go you ahead, Jim. I don't yeah, you have to have a knack for it, and she does a great job, and um, she does follow what you, you know, your how you you know what you set forth for and she does a great job with it and i just wanted to chime in on that because she does a great job with it so my perspective it's probably the same but a little bit different so i don't know if i'm gonna win this one or not but um <laughs> don't focus on winning sales so you know i originally was a installer programmer and all that stuff and that carried forward into into when i became a salesperson and it's it, it, it's it's changed so much um, since when I started. You know, when I first started, it was look at my stuff, isn't it cool? You want to buy it? It's not that case anymore. Uh, customers are much more uh, they're educated and they they understand analytics and they're looking to grow their business through analytics, and they can see right through a salesperson that's what I like to call a smiling Jack. He's just gonna he comes in and says, look at my cool stuff, you want to buy it they want some meat to it and we you have to hire salespeople that can provide that meat uh, for the customers more uh, more of the consultative uh, salesperson that understands the entire retail ecosystem those are people that are going to sell and sell at a high level that can walk the walk and talk the talk so those are the people that um that we're looking for and we hope to uh build for our sales team um can you get into a little more specifics about like they're offering meat and you said understanding the ecosystem? Like what is different? Uh, like, I guess if you could paint a picture for our yeah. uh, listeners, like everybody can picture, oh, look at this new shiny thing. What are they doing instead? Mm -hmm. what, what have you seen successful? This, the salespeople that are successful now are taking time to learn learn verticals that they're selling into or learning what the customer's needs are prior to even getting in front of them. So you do discovery with a customer. A lot of times a, a good high-performing high salesperson, before they even have discovery, they're learning that industry. They're learning that particular vertical that they want to sell into. So they can, I, I would say, I call it walking the walk and talking the talk and be able to um, have those intelligent conversations with that customer. What that does is it um, makes the customer feel comfortable with the, the person across the desk from them, that they understand their needs and wants and pains and all that, and that they, they can provide a good fit, a good solution. That's really important these days because there's so many different um, aspects to retail and hospitality now if you really don't do your homework you could miss one thing you miss one thing you have a disaster on your hands so a lot of salespeople now are just they have to be more intelligent and understand it from a to z what the customer's needs are that's my that's a great i really like how you how you said that learn the vertical then learn the customer then you can start making 
the sale. Too many times people want to jump right into either point number two or, or point number uh, three. So both great answers, but I am going to give Kelly the point in part because, Jim, you started off your answer by saying like, well, I guess Kelly's going to win this point here. So I'm just following your lead uh, on that one. And, and also, I think you would agree if she's really good at hiring, she's really good at picking husbands as well. So kind of back in a corner uh, for that one. Uh, but I will also say so. And Kelly, if you can expand upon this is um, and also gives me an opportunity to plug. If you're an RSP member, we have tools that we can give you in terms of we call it an employee hiring process document that helps you map out what's the kind like what's the job. Right? What's the process? What are the qualities I'm looking for? What are some additional qualities I might take on board? How am I going to recruit? Like, what steps am I going to take to reach out? Then we have an interview packet that we're able to share with folks that has, like you said, all sorts of those probing questions in there to really dive into hiring a, a salesperson in particular that we're talking about here, uh, or there's also hiring a technician as well. But Kelly, can you talk for a little bit about, it's not like Jim mentioned also, there's part of a knack, but it's also that system that's behind. How important is it of having that rigorous rigorous system for hiring as opposed to seems nice, let's bring them on board. For sure. So that that's where that's where Jim and all these nice people um, have a challenge when it comes to picking the right candidate because everyone that would walk in the door, um, it would be more or less marketing and sales to the prospect, to the prospective employee about how great we are and what wonderful things we do. And, you know, you have to change the mindset and those tools and having that process in place helps you to really compare candidates in, in an objective way to be able to find the right person for the job. So if you're asking the same questions and then you're probing down on those questions, it gives you insights to the traits that are most important for the job at hand. Um, and it's it's been immensely helpful. You know the the tools, and again, you know more association plugs, but the tools in finding the right person for the seat, and then now with the tools in place to help educate those employees as they first start to get exposure, because maybe it is a person that's worked in hospitality in a restaurant or at a bar, and they've got a great work ethic, and they're enthusiastic, and they're you know, they fit beautifully into your culture, you can give them some foundational education that is also consistent. So again, it gives you an opportunity to judge, you know, the performance of one new employee versus the other. Hey, they had the same interview process. They met the same criteria. They've now had the same education path. This person is excelling. This person is not. What can we do differently to bring this person up to the, the level of the other? So, and again, bad news early is good news. So if it's not a good cultural fit and that, you know, it, it, it's not going to work for both parties, then it makes sense to, you know, if you've objectively, um, you know, worked through that, then it's easier to say, hey, you know, maybe we made a mistake and this is not a good fit. The yep. best interviewer I ever worked with uh, was a former military police officer. So he'd sit down with candidates and he was just gathering data. He was doing an investigation. He wasn't doing some sales job on them. Like you said, Kelly, and it was like, <laughs> if they give the data, they're going to be a good fit. Good. I'll move them on. If they don't, then they don't, you know, like he was very neutral uh, with that. So yeah, he was, he was fabulous. He had great stories too about uh, when he interviewed uh, people who had <laughs> potentially committed crimes, uh, learned a lot from that guy. So, all right, heading into the final 
quarter here. Uh, Jim, you're down, but you have an opportunity to come back. And so again, we get to flip it and we're going to go with the three remaining activities uh, on the topic. So Jim, we talked about ramping up an outbound sales force. So pick another one that you want to talk about and give some advice to our audience and share your perspective. Again, this is about for growing your business, how important it is to, let's talk about either adding new products or services, entering new markets, outspending your competition on marketing. So between two and three, that was it was just a toss up. I mean, we can go either way. I could talk about both of them um, at a high level, I, but I think just, I want to talk about. Just pick one. Pick He's one, trying please. Trying to cheat them. He's trying to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wrap them both together. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk right. about entering new markets. So, all right. What I want to talk about with regards to entering new markets, I always talk about market segmentation when we talk about entering new markets. And it's segmented even further. Again, go back to the last year and all that what we got going on. It just in the hospitality market alone, we've seg we've segmented even further. So we go from, as an example, QSR. We have this big thing called QSR. Now within QSR, we have walk-up, we have delivery, we have fast casual, we have online ordering, we have ghost kitchens. Each one of them presents its own opportunity. Uh, we were actually meeting with a customer um, just last week, you know, first week, I'm a newbie at this again, but met with a customer who had this big, beautiful restaurant with an outdoor fireplace and just beautiful, completely closed up. He's a, now a drive-through uh, only um, operation, and he's closing that restaurant and moving to a drive-through only. So things are changing very rapidly. Again, online ordering is changing. Um, even in retail, you have, you know, we talk about specialty retail, we talk about grocery. Within grocery, there's you know, small store grocery, there's big grocery. I mean, we can go on and on and on. And when we talk about segmenting these verticals, you have less competition when you go into vertical segments. And that's something I've always done. We'll pick, you would pick, you want to pick a vertical and you want to learn that vertical from beginning to end. And what it does is it reduces the competition that you have instead of having 2,000 people, 2,000 um, ISVs or resellers in that segment, you have five or six or 10 that have taken the time to learn that particular vertical segment and, and got really good at it. Then that, that reduction in, com in competition just makes the odds of you getting that, that transaction, closing the transaction much better. Um, from a retail standpoint as well, that's something that I did quite often. I would look at a at a retail vertical. I never considered myself a retail guy, but at the end of the year, I'd be like, oh, wow, I did some retail this year because I'll take these, these underserved vertical segments and just pick them apart and learn them. And then once you learn them, just exploit them as much as you can and close as many deals as you can. We talk about cannabis is really important is really emerging. I mean, at retail now, that was that, that was hot topic. That's another, that's a perfect example of vertical segmentation and what's good, what's changing in our industry today. That is true. Like uh, cannabis is really, a it's retail, right? It just happens to be yeah. a plant. There's all sorts of regulations, but essentially it comes down to retail, which is why retail VARs can be successful with it. I guess I, I really like how you said, like somebody says, I'm a VAR, I'm a restaurant VAR, I'm a QSR VAR, but imagine saying like, I'm an expert in ghost kitchens, right? Like who else is gonna walk in the door and be able to say that, right? That will help you uh, enter a new market. So, all right, Kelly, uh, your chance to uh, to close out the game here. 
So I think that Jim, um, he, he combined two and three, which is, you know, adding new products and services and entering new markets. And I, you know, he's, he's a leader in that thought process. So, you know, I'm going to give him credit for kind of covering the realities of, of our business and the business of other resellers. You know, they've, you've got to, you've got to embrace the technologies and the solutions that your clients are demanding. And if you're in a niche market that isn't seeing any change, then you probably need to embrace another market. Because if there's not any changes happening, if they're not embracing new technology opportunities, then perhaps that market is being replaced with something else. So good for us that we've got Jim, you know, embracing those ideologies and, you know, driving forward. And I think that most bars that are incredibly successful right now you know, our, the, the challenges that they have is how, how do I handle all of, all of these new demands that are coming from my clients that want the new technologies, that want the online ordering, that, you know, I, as you said, being an expert in ghost kitchens, it just crossed my mind, like, well, what kind of cool things could technology with ghost kitchens do? You know, maybe, you know, maybe there's some new way of delivery or there's, you know, some new ordering platform that, you know, is gamified, you know, getting your food. Like there's all kinds of things that are constantly emerging. So I'll kind of shift down to the outspend your competition on marketing perspective. And, you know, I don't know, frankly, that we've done that, but I know that a lot of resellers have, you know, broached that strategy. And that's just about the outpouring of your value to your customer base and your, protect, your potential clients. And I think that it's important for you know, resellers, and, and I've heard the, the term um, knowing, knowing your customer, um, knowing who it is that you're, you're delivering your value to and, and whatever methodology, be it social networking or or mailings or, or, or white papers or you know, email, however, however that's happening. Um, I think that it's, that it's valuable to be able to connect with your end users and your customers in that way. Frankly, we haven't done that. We're just trying to catch up. We're, right now we have more clients that are demanding you know, our attention than, than we have bodies to do. So right now we're more focused on you know, ramping up our outside our, our sales force and then having the right support mechanisms in place in house to be able to deploy and support those. Um, but, but yes, outspending your competition is important. Got it. So thank you for that. Both good answers, but I have to give the point to Jim first, just on a technicality. We started off by Jim saying, I'd like to combine two and three. And Kelly's response was, he's trying to cheat. And then she went and moved on to point number four, and like blow, broke their own rules that she claimed he was cheating on. So on a technicality, I have to make it two, two anyway. But Kelly, I want to emphasize. Um, hey, my horse wouldn't jump, okay? Uh, I, I want to emphasize what you said about if you're in a market that isn't yielding what, is, what you know something that's really going to help you run your business 
it's legal to stay there and wind down. It's also legal to go into something else. I remember talking to somebody, it was either they served the independent grocery markets in rural Indiana and rural Illinois, which is kind of like your guys neck of the woods there. And he was like, man, this market is really just going backwards and backwards and backwards. And I'm like, well, have you looked at something adjacent to it, like convenience stores or something like that? No, I'm just an independent small grocery guy. I'm like, Okay, but if that thing shrinking away, he's like, I guess I'm dead meat. I'm like, yeah, no, you got to do something different. And he was, he was like, I'm the captain of this ship. I've been doing this for 20 years. I guess I'm going to go down with the ship. So uh, I appreciate you saying like, take the opportunity not to like hop, skip, and jump to something radically different, but you know, combining I guess both of your answers. If you're somebody who really focuses on the QSR space, maybe you can do really focus on ghost kitchens, walk-ups, you know, online ordering things of that nature. So great, great advice there. Again, wish I could uh, make you both winners, but we can't, or I guess, no, no, you're both winners. Somebody has to be gold. Somebody has to be silver. I'm breaking my own rules here. It's just rule breaking all around. So, all right. So we have to go to overtime here. Whoever uh, gets the right answer first for the questions that we're going to ask, um, that's how we're going to have winning this game. So the guiding principles document that I shared, it has quotes from several well-known business leaders and also several RSPA members. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share a quote from the document and you have to guess from a few options who said it. And so Kelly, since you scored the first point, you get to answer first. And Jim, when you go for this one, you answer second, because we have to answer different or else we're gonna be here all night. All right, so here, here's the quote and then I'll give the options. All right, the quote is, it's not about the rates, it's about the relationship and providing grade A support. They trust us to work on their behalf and fix the things that get screwed up. So Kelly, it's one of these five folks who said it. Is it Arthur Rosenbaum from New Haven Cash Register, NHCR? Is it Cord Oots from POS Nation? Tom Bronson from Mastery Partners? Chuck Prince from NCC? Or is it Amazon's Jeff Bezos? Again, they trust us to work on their behalf and fix the things that get screwed up. Kelly, what's your answer? Um, my guess would be, what was C again? It was Arthur Rosenbaum, Cordoots, Tom Bronson, Chuck Prince, or Jeff Bezos. I'm going to guess Arthur, A. All right, so Kelly's going with Arthur. Jim, what is your guess? I'm going with C, Tom. Going with C, Tom Bronson. One of you is correct. Ooh. And so that means the game is over. And the uh, the gold medalist for this Battle of the Channel of Stars is Kelly Stewart. It was Arthur Rosenbaum. So Arthur's helping you get the victory here. So I have a few more overtime questions lined up. This will just be for kicks and giggles. You guys want to try this as well? I'm in. Sure. All right. I thought Jim would just like shut off his computer and say, I'm done if you're not going to give me that. Well, when it so said Jim, screwed up, I knew it was Arthur, but <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> well, well known, often quoted. So here's a quote. If you're not consultative, you're not a value-added reseller, you're a salesperson. You're just selling what you have. So who said that again? Is it Arthur Rosenbaum, Cord Oots, Tom Bronson, Chuck Prince, or is it management guru Peter Drucker? Jim, you go first. If you're not consultative, you're not a value-added reseller, you're a salesperson, you're just selling what you have. I'm going with Chuck. All right, Kelly? Let's go with C. Uh, with, uh, Jim is correct. Chuck Prince uh, got that. All right, we have two more of these. Let's keep on going. I was going to say, I feel like I should Had do a tie. Had you gotten that one I... wrong, it would have been embarrassing. 
<laughs> that would have been bad. That would have been bad coming from NCC. Kelly, the quote is, measure all your performers, especially the top 10%, because you want them to, you'll want to keep your arms around them, figuratively, not literally. Measure all your performers, especially the top 10%, because you want to keep your arms around them. Was it Arthur from NHCR, Court from POS Nation, Tom at Mastery Partners, Chuck again from NCC, or is it NCR founder, John Patterson? I'm going to say Tom. All right, Jim, what's your guess? Um, John Patterson. Uh, it's actually Tom Bronson. So Kelly gets that one as well. You guys are great. You're three for three. Guessing <laughs> on these. Jim, let's see if we can make it four for four. Here's a quote. We recruit before the need gets to desperation. This way we can take the time to find the right person. We made bad hires in the past when we were jammed up for labor. Uh, same uh, crew, Arthur, Court, Tom Bronson, Chuck, or is it Superboss's author, Sidney Finkelstein? <laughs> I'm That's going with court. <laughs> so your answer is court. Kelly. Yep. Uh, I'm going with Finkelstein. All right. It's it's actually court oots. You guys were four for four <laughs> on those quotes. That is fantastic. So again, the final score, Kelly three, Jim two in overtime. The gold medal goes to Kelly Stewart. The silver goes to Jim Stewart. Thank you both for playing Battle of Channel Stars. So we're a little bit over time, but Kelly, your reaction. This is your opportunity to uh, to gloat uh, potentially, or you can do that more after the camera gets shut off. Oh, I want to I want to gloat. I want to rub it in. I want to rub his nose in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save that for dinner time. Thank you. <laughs> Keto happy marriage, holding grudges. Yeah. Jim, any thoughts? Any reaction? You want to complain to the referees? Anything like that? Counter charge of cheating, perhaps? No, I know better. We've been married long enough for me to know that <laughs> I should just, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. He <laughs> just stopped talking. <laughs> so when I was younger, I did not stop talking. <laughs> All right, so ignore the situation and then just turn your attention towards something else. Got it. Great. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Divert, divert, divert. Wonderful. <laughs> Great advice. Well, this has been like marriage counseling. I've taken all sorts of notes. This is this is wonderful. So, all right, well, that does it for our discussion today. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and fierce competition. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSP blog. You can find it by at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA uh, and clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Kelly Stewart and Jim Stewart for sharing their wisdom with us today. Tremendous job to both of you. Thanks also to RSPA marketing manager Chris Sonder for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music. And last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody.